Hello, we at Grace Covenant Church in Gunnison, Colorado are grateful and humbled that we get to be part of your sanctification today. We invite you to review our sermons online, but also stress the importance of being joined to a biblical local church, the life of the church, and the spiritual gifts God has given us to express in the church. Our website is www.gracegunnison.com. There you can find sermons and other resources as well as our location and service times. The members of Grace Covenant Church Gunnison pray that the following messages will be a blessing to you. We're in Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and we'll be in verse 19 through 24. And there's a Bible in the pew, in the chairs if you need one. So um, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount as we've been in the Gospel of Matthew, and if just to jog your memories and remind us where we are, uh, in chapter 5, Jesus was speaking the Beatitudes, and he was telling us who we are, who we are in Christ. He was describing citizens of heaven, blessed are the poor in spirit, and so on. And then he told us what we are to be about, salt and light, he tells us. And then in He moves on to the righteousness of those in the kingdom and that we are to be like our king, conforming to God's law, which is his nature. And then we saw the heart of God's law, how God is concerned with our inward motivations, not just the letter, but the spirit of the law. And then we move into chapter six and we've seen that he's warned us about hypocrisy in our worship, uh, hypocrisy in our uh, in our practicing of righteousness. And he gave us three examples, if you remember, on giving and praying and fasting. And he gave those examples to show that it's about the heart devotion that God is interested in. And today we come to a section that talks about um, a proper kingdom perspective. And he's going to warn us about two uh, preeminent things that we need to be on guard about. And one of those being worldliness. And we're going to look at this today and tomorrow, Lord, or not tomorrow, but next Lord's Day, Lord willing, we will look at uh, what he says about warning about worry and anxiousness. Jesus here is explaining that we might possibly have misplaced values. Very prone to do that as, as we are in our nature as, man, as men and women. But he's, he's, he's really looking at the heart. And that's what he's been looking at the whole sermon. And the question we must ask ourselves is, where is my heart? In the inward recesses of your heart, where do you find satisfaction? Where, where do you find pure joy? What, what is that object that your gaze is set upon? Each of us, as we live this life, we, we live in a fallen world, do we not? But the Bible says we are citizens of another kingdom. So it's as if we're in between two kingdoms. Yes, we live here, but I'm not of this world. I'm in this world. So we need to realize that because of that, there's going to be, um, there's going to be a draw, possibly, to this kingdom or to the kingdom we serve. And we might have allegiances that are mixed up at times. And so he's going to really probe into our inward self and see where our heart is. Let's read together. If you'll read along with me in your copy of God's Word, 
We'll start in um, verse 19, chapter 6. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus is speaking. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or God and wealth. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus here is speaking of our kingdom perspective. He's speaking to believers, remember. He's not speaking to the world. As we see in this text, and we're going to see further as we get to the end of the chapter, that our Lord is not so much concerned with our possessions as he is with our attitude toward those possessions. He's concerned with the the heart of how we view material things. Now we know that we, we use material things every day. We need them for sustenance in life and we... Uh, we pay for things, we receive things for things we... So, but, but we need to have a proper perspective on how God tells us to view these things and what our attitude is towards these things. And mind you, no one is exempt from this. So whether the person is extremely poor, extremely rich, or anywhere in between, we all have a, a view of material things that may or may not be lined up with God's Word. We might have misplaced values. We might lose a proper perspective and need to get back to what God has said. And so here he's warning us about worldliness. Worldliness even in our Christian lives. Instead of a heavenly outlook. A God-centered view where God is calling us to. And so here we're going to see... A proper kingdom perspective. First, we're going to see a negative command. We're going to see a a double command, if you will. A a negative, do not do this, and a positive, and then a principle conveyed. He's then going to, the Lord is going to give us an illustration. And then, in the end of this, he's going to give us an application. Uh, Jesus here is is preaching this way, and it's a Christ-ordained way of expositing the word. And so I, I pray that this is a, a way that you've seen the message conveyed as Jesus has. That the meaning of the text and then illustrating and then applied. And so first we come to the negative, the negative command. And this is an imperative, by the way. He said an imperative meaning this is do this or do not. This is a command. He says, do not, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. But we must look and see what he's referring to. Remember earlier in chapter 6, he spoke of rewards. Um, He spoke about maybe our hypocritical ways of religion. He says, don't be like them, because if you do this, you already have your reward. But but do this to 
to the Father and your reward is with your Father in heaven. So heavenly rewards. So he's taking the same terminology, but he's, he's talking about treasure now. Laying up treasure. Well, storing up something means to accumulate, right? To, uh, to gather. Uh, maybe working towards something. Laboring. So we're, sto- we're, we're storing up through this accumulation of, of labor. And he says, for yourself. So this is what we are doing in our own capacity of our, our personal lives. And what does it mean, treasures on earth? I think it's explanatory, but let's dig in a little bit to what he means here. Well, treasures on earth are, he's, he's telling us what they are. For one thing, they are temporal, meaning they're passing. They are material. So the things that you can see and touch, you see the lost world, the, the world that's outside of Christ, that's all they see is the material world. They see substance, and if I can't see it, if I can't feel it, touch it, smell it, well, then it's not, it it can't be. But they realize, they don't realize what they're saying, because many of the things they do and engage in are not material. They might have uh, discussions, they have thought processes, these things are not material. So we can't view the world as only, you know, wood and stone, and no, it's not that way. But, But there are material things, and God has given these things, He's created these things. They're earthly. They're not spiritual. They're earthly. And he describes them here. He tells us what they are. He says that moth and rust destroy and thieves break in. So he's telling us that these material things are fleeting. They can be here for one moment and then fly away in the next. They're also corrupting, meaning they can be destroyed. You could have a shiny... uh, Metal, something of value, and it rusts. You put it away, and you think, well, that's my safe keep, and you pull it out, and it's, it's ruined. Or you've got fine fabric that you've collected and, and you stored, and then later on you see that it's been deteriorated. It fades away. It, uh, it's, it's interesting to see. I know my wife has a business. I didn't clear this with her, but she, she goes and she takes homes where either people have passed away or, or they just want their stuff cleared out. And she goes in and people have, have accumulated, hoarded, lots of stuff, much storing up. And much of it is, goes in the dump. Some of it's of value, but what, many things what people think of, or what we think is value, it's not. And it's fleeting. But here he's speaking of something that is unsecure. Meaning it could be taken away in an instant. It could be stolen away. And so to sum up these earthly treasure, they are shifting and changing and fleeting away. And what he's, the motivation, what he's trying to show about this type of person that's storing up things on earth, he's living to amass stuff. He's living for the here and now. It's a mentality of this is all there is, so let's, you know, get all I can and can all I get and, you know, here's my stuff. None of it goes with you. None of it remains. None of it's secure. In fact, this one who's doing this, this person, 
His security is in his earthly goods. This is something that he trusts in. So because this is his security, he must strive after them. Well, I must get more and more because this is where my security is. And this is where my joy is. So if my stuff goes down, my joy goes down. If my increase, well, my joy goes up. You see, the earthly man, the one that's focused on this. This is what he's trying to describe. And then next, Jesus goes in and gives us the positive command. He says, do this. Do store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Well, we must ask, what, what do you mean here, Lord? Well, these are things that are eternal. Heaven is eternal. These are things that are for God's glory, for Christ's service. They, they might not be material things. They may be material things. You might contribute to something, or you might help someone in a monetary or a fiscal way. Or, but you might just be there to comfort you might be there to guide, to, to share the gospel. It may be even things regarding your own sanctification. Your own progress in godliness and holiness as God is conforming you to his word. It may be in the work of the gospel. Inviting someone to church. Sharing with someone about Christ. Giving them a gospel track. Um, many things of this sort. It may be work for, for Christ's church. For his kingdom. It could be for the lost, those who don't know the Lord, and bringing them to the light. It could be for his saints, meaning other Christians, other believers, that you're coming alongside and, and helping them. Uh, obedience to God's word. Uh, the, they're, they're endless of things that God could direct us to. But one thing I want that's helped me before is this. We can ask the question of a pursuit. Of something we're striving at. So we can ask this question. And this might determine the category of storing up. Here's the question. Will it matter in a thousand years? Will it matter in 10,000 years? Now, if you're doing something for the Lord, for Christ, it'll matter for all eternity. But if you're just storing stuff up to... You know, buy the stuff, the trinket, the whatever. Is it going to matter? You, you, you decide. As you go to the Lord, you decide. Those things, or I say you shouldn't say you decide. Let the Lord direct you in that. Because we decide wrongly. Amen. We put what is in one category and we move it to the other category and we fudge a little bit and we make ourselves comfortable. But we need to align with what God says and hear the description of these storing up heavenly storing up things in heaven okay they are preserved like they don't rust they don't have holes in it they don't deteriorate and they're constant they're put in a place that is secure there's no thieves in heaven there's no vandals there's no evil there's no sin so to sum up, these things are safe and they're lasting. They're there for Christ's honor. The, the tears that you shed over the lost, the tears that you shed over your own sin, the tears that you shed for evil in the world are treasures in heaven that Jesus 
collects and will remind us one day of the things that he put upon our heart. But the principle conveyed here is seen in verse 21. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus reminds us here of where our focus is, is where our heart is. Now, Jesus, as we said before, is focused on our heart. He's focused on our mind and soul and affections, our will, what, why we do the things we do. But here's how we know where our heart is. It's what we treasure. It's what you, you, you hold very highly. And, and, but not just what we treasure. I mean, I, I treasure my wife. We can treasure our children. We can treasure many good things, each other. But does that treasure exceed the treasure of Christ? Have we got our priorities messed up where somehow when my family is up here above We've gotten things out of order. And so we need to have a kingdom principle of where we set things. Are we earthly minded, focused on the material? Or are we heavenly minded, focused on what is eternal, what is spiritual? And so we must ask, where is our vision focused? Where is our, where is our gaze upon? Because what we're gazing upon is what we're striving after. I don't look this way and and strive after that way. I'm going to look towards what I'm after. And here the Lord gives us this illustration, and He gives it to us in verse 22 and 23. He uses the eye. He says that the eye is the lamp of the body. Also, the eye is the lamp of the soul. What you're focusing on is grabbing your heart's attention. An eye is a lamp. It's a, the, what comes through the eye gate will flood your soul. So what you're focusing on is going to be what drives you. There's many things in this world that are vying for our attention. We have the sparkling thing over here and the the thing over here and, and all these stuff that's trying to grab us. Advertisements and this and that and pulling us different directions. And so what we are setting our gaze upon, if we're setting it upon material things, earthly things, we've already seen those are fleeting. Those are, those are not things we should be focusing on. But if we're setting our, our gaze upon things of the Spirit, things of heavenly, things of Christ's kingdom, seeking uh, His kingdom, those things are constant. If our eye is on the light, who is Christ, then our soul will be flooded with light. But what happens is we start picking up those sparkly things, those things that attract us of the world. And pretty soon we're, we're more focused on that. And then that darkness comes into our own soul because we've let the things of this world come in and snuff out the, where the true light is. And that's what he talks about, if the eye is bad. Well, what does he mean by that? It means that the eye is polluted. If you've got dirt in your eye, you, know, you don't see very well, right? You can't read the page. You can't, you can't focus. What he's speaking of is an eye that has double vision. That is starting to focus on the Lord. But then this catches my eye. And the one walking by, I'm, I'm focusing on that. Now my eye is off. Now I've got double vision. I can't, I'm not focusing right. 
And this darkness has come in to the believer. And so he's telling us here, if the darkness has come into a believer who has the light, who knows the gospel, how dark is the darkness of the one who doesn't know? Of the lost one out there? It's pitch black. It's like a person groping and with not being able to see anything. And the darkness that is there, is, it, is, it is striking. But we need to be careful of these shiny things. When I say shiny things, I, I'm reminded of a, a, think about fishing. And you throw the lure in there and the, the, the thing's sparkling. And the fish comes up and grabs it. We're kind of like that. We, 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 we look for the things that glitter. And as we're wandering through this world, as we're sojourning through this world, worldliness can creep in. Even to the believer, when we take our focus off the gospel, take our focus off, off Christ. And the deceit of this world, uh, the deceit of sin, can distract us, creating this darkness. But we need to remember that earthly treasures are not where we need to put our trust. Because they're, they're going to go. They're going to burn up. We're not gonna, they're not going to stay with us. We, we, we're either going to go to the Lord and be taken in, in death and not take any of the stuff. Or the Lord might, in His providence and will, might remove it from us. So we need to have a loose grip on these things. I'm, I'm, have you ever wondered, um, within our country, and have you ever wondered why in our treasury notes and our bills and our, our coins, how, how it says, in God we trust. I thought about that this week. I thought about it before, but I concentrated a lot this week. You know, when you go to the hospital, it doesn't say, in God we trust on the side of the building. Um, when you buy a new car, it doesn't say, in God we trust. But I think our forefathers, those that went before us that when our nation was still a godly nation, understood something. That this thing that we buy stuff with, this monetary, or the thing that we're paid for the work that we do, can become an idol. Where it can become something that we treasure above God. And so, and I don't know this, because I didn't talk to the, the men that decided this, or whoever it was decided we should put these on the coinage, but it's a good reminder Every time you, of course, nowadays people, well, they don't even write checks anymore, I guess. I write checks, but they use what, PayPal and Venmo and all this stuff. Or they, what else do they use? They use uh, credit cards. Credit cards. My credit card does not say that we trust. It says in Chase Bank you trust or something. But when I pay for something, I can remind myself, in God, I trust. Or if, if I'm paid a, a sum of money, I can remember that in God I trust. This is things that I can use, but I'm not going to put my faith in it. Or, or when, I, when I give to the Lord's work and I, I contribute to the ministry, it's in God I trust. I'm trusting this with God. And I think that's, at least that was important for me to think about, that reminder about earthly things, and not just money. It's, it's, it's all kinds of things that we, that we have. Now, to, to complete this thought, 
The Lord is not telling us to, dis- to despise money or to despise mer- material things. It, that's not it. What he's trying to tell us is to keep a proper kingdom perspective. You see, God provides what we need here and now in this earth. He provides for us. And we're going to see that next week. But he gives us earthly goods. He gives us earthly goods, but I need to remember that they don't belong to me. You see, I am a steward of what God has given me. I can be a bad steward. I can be a good steward, depending on if I'm following what God has led me to. But that's not mine. Everything that has been given to me has been given to me by God. And in the same way, we can think of our children, same but different. I mean, they're not money, but they're not yours either. Children are given to us by God, and we are to be stewards and to raise them up in the admonition of the Lord. But they're His. That's why it's so dangerous. Well, I don't want to get into that, but into the whole political thing about, you know, someone's right over a child. That's God's child. That's God's child. You don't mess with that. But remember, we are stewards, and we are stewards of what God has given. He is the giver, He, he gives everything. In fact, what he gives through salvation is eternal. Like, you, it will never get taken away. Those he's brought in, those he's paid for, those he's bought by his blood are his. But the, the other things, the material things he gives us, can be taken away. Think of Job. He lost everything. But in the end, he says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be his name. He, he is sovereign. He knows what's best. He knows what's best, not me. He is the sovereign king. And so these things of this world, we are to hold loosely with an open hand. Don't grip them tightly. Because the Lord will pry your fingers off. Believe me of that. Hold them loosely. Trust them to God. Do not be governed by them. It's... God has given them to us and he wants us to enjoy them. Don't, don't, don't be the miser who says, I can't enjoy anything. No, God has given things to enjoy. But keep a proper perspective and know also that they are passing away. And they will not last, much like our bodies. They're material. I know mine's not lasting very well. They, they fleet also. But my eternal soul is for all eternity. In fact, your never dying soul will live for all eternity with Christ if you are in him and in eternal punishment for all eternity if you're not. But remember, Christian, speaking of our body, remember that we are tent dwellers. We live in this body now, but it's not permanent. We're just passing through, so we need to be traveling light. Nothing of this earth will go with you. So do not set your heart upon it. Do not set your heart upon it. And these earthly things don't bring divine satisfaction either. They don't bring eternal joy. Think of the words of Solomon. Read through the book of Proverbs. Let him tell you about all the things he, he strove after. 
Look at Ecclesiastes, the preacher. He, he is saying how I went after this and I went after that and I, nothing brought me happiness. No contentment. And what did he say? All is vanity. Just nothingness. Because he was striving after the world. Think of a more modern, a more recent uh, person. Not inspired, mind you, but John D. Rockefeller. Probably heard the name, I would think. He's quite famous in our American history. He said this. I have made millions, but they have brought me no happiness. He said this. The poorest man I know is the man who has nothing but money. Hmm. I think it was him that was asked later. They said, how much money is enough? This guy was a multi Zillionaire. He said, how much money is enough? He said, just a little bit more. <laughs> just a little bit more. You see, there's no, there's no satisfying that type of lust when we go that direction. Only God can bring contentment, can bring true happiness. And it's only through the saving work of Christ. That is where... We find happiness. When the Spirit comes to dwell within a believer, then you find true wealth. Wealth of the Spirit. It cannot be purchased. It can only be received by grace through faith. Let me tell you about, or let me read from Colossians 2. Colossians, uh, Paul said this in verses 1 through 4. He says this, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, you will also be revealed with him in glory. I want you to think about something. Materialism. The love of stuff is a deadly plague in our day. But not just in our day. It's been that way since the beginning of time where man has strove after things, stuff, collecting toys and whatever. And just, but these things, materialism is in, deep, is in complete opposition and contrast to God's kingdom. And here the Lord's going to apply it. Here, here, here He's going to tell us He's going to apply it if you look with me in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Now you might immediately say, as the Jews did, we have never been slaves. What are you talking about? Well, the Bible says differently. The Bible says that in our natural self, we are slaves to sin. And Christ says that when I have have redeemed you, I have bought you out of slavery. That's what redemption is. Sets you free, but because he set us free, our Redeemer, we want to stay with him. Uh, I want to be his bond slave. Now I am indebted and, and I, you know, I want to serve my master. So you do have a master. In fact, the word here used about when he says, No one can serve two masters, the word that the Bible uses for slave is, is doulos. Many places, it's a Greek word, is doulos. Many places in the scripture, it's been translated servant. 
That's not an accurate translation. It's slave. I think many of our English translations have, have chosen servant because of the past history we've had with slavery. And the idea of it is, is, is horrifying to them. But to have a master like Christ, to be a slave of such a, a, a good God, is joyous. I don't have to worry about being taken care of. He takes care of me. I don't have to worry about the service that he calls me to because it's good. He has my life in his hands and I serve him. And I, I want to please this master. You see, man is not autonomous. The world thinks man is autonomous, meaning um, I'm the captain of my own ship. I steer my own boat. No, you don't. You're either being steered by the God of this world or by the Lord. It's one or the other. And we trust in this master. That he knows what's good for us. That he knows that what my next step is. And he cares for me. Martin Luther said that whatever a man loves most, that is his God. Hmm. Clear and to the point. But here we see in this verse 24, the singleness of service. Now, the reason I wanted to emphasize the, the slave to master is because you might have a job. You might have two jobs, three jobs. If you live here in this valley, you might need that. <laughs> right? We can have a, and we have employers. So we have several employers. But you know, this time I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. And then this time I'm here for this person. That's doable, maybe. If the other one doesn't get mad that he's taking too much time. But to a master-slave relationship, that doesn't happen. You have one master. Now your master might send you and say, go work for this man in his field. You're still working for the master. You're still one master. When you go over there, he's sub sub subordinate. You see this? So you can't serve two masters. Well, why is, he, why is Jesus talking about this? Because of the phenomenon that happens to all of us. And here it is. Here's what happens. We have goods and treasures. Okay, we've got you know, a little money here. We've got a little investment here. And we strive for, for these things to, to make a living, to pro provide for our family. These are good things. Maybe even to store up for a college education or, or something else. But here's what happens. We, we have these goods that, are, that are, are good to use, good to enjoy. But pretty soon, they become our aim and our focus to where we have these blinders on and that, that's all I see. And so I strive after that, that goal. I, I think this is going to bring me happiness. It becomes the center of my attention. And pretty soon, now I'm serving it. You see, before it served me, it was, I put bread on the table. But I went after it so hard, it's so hard that now it's like I am captivated. It is my master. And I must have it. I must go after that. And that's all I think about. Do you see what happens? Am I the only one that's happened to? And it grabs our attention and masters us. And that's what 
Jesus here is speaking about. You have one master. You're either going to serve that, that God. In fact, mammon means the God of money or wealth. It's not that people, people might, in the world might say, oh, money is this, what, the root of all evil. No, that's not what the Bible says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So we need a proper perspective here. Christ's disciples understood this slavery motif. It wasn't offensive to them. Many of his disciples were proud to say, I'm a slave to Christ. They understood that they were owned by another, that they were branded. Paul says, I wear the marks of my Savior on my body. He understand that they understood they were chosen, but that they also choose to be with the Lord. They understood that they were in service to him, that they were not only slaves, but they were adopted sons, heirs now of the kingdom. That, so now their highest and sole goal is to serve the king. They had desired to please this one. But here's what we do, brothers and sisters, as we foolishly think that we can strive after the things of this world and still be right with God. We ride that fence thinking that we can have one foot in the world and one foot with the Lord. Godliness and gain of the world cannot both be our masters. You will serve one or the other. I like what Martin Lloyd-Jones, a preacher from early 1900s, said this. Where God reigns, the lust of gain must go. You see, as Christ followers, we are called to leave this world, to leave all and follow him, to deny ourselves. How does denying ourselves size up with materialism? It doesn't. It's the opposite, right? We're to deny ourselves. In fact, think about if if you're a slave and you serve a good master, our only passion is to serve him. To please him. In fact, if we're not doing that, he's not our master. Remember Jesus said in Luke, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? Because you're not serving your master. I'm not your master is what he's telling you. The Christian is not to be a self-server, but instead to serve the Lord and master. So believer, be the man or woman that the young person that pursues one thing, Christ. Be decided this day that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Be able to proclaim to the world that I belong to Christ. If you're a Christian, be proud of that. Say, I'm Christ's slave. They asked some of the Christians who have gone before, who have actually been martyred, and they, who are you? Slave. Slave to Christ. Well, where are you from? Christ is my king. His kingdom. Who are you? Christian. They wouldn't even say their names. As they went to their death, they were Christ's slave. 
You might ask the question, and as we close, how do I differentiate between storing up on earth and storing up in heaven? And uh, I know my own propensity to deceive myself and get mixed up and put one in one category that should be in the other. And I'll remind you of what has helped me. Will it matter in a thousand years? Does what I'm doing right now matter in 10,000 years? And if Christ told you to do it, then yes. I'm reminded of C.T. Studd. And he penned these words. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So we must be on guard against this. Seeking after the things of the world. Placing our happiness in them and our trust. We must keep a proper kingdom perspective. An eternal perspective. Uh, I like what two of my brothers out in the east have a ministry. And they call it striving for eternity. I think that's a good motto for all of us to keep. Striving for eternity. Not for the things of this world that will be burned up. So be serving the master. Be serving through his word. Being under his will and through his providence. Spend your life and be spent. Spend your goods and your resources to further Christ's kingdom. Storing up treasure in heaven. Another missionary said this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Oh, I like that. So look to Christ. Look to the life of Christ. Everything he did was about his father's business. All to the glory of God. What what, what we have before us is someone who came and said, this is the way. Bringing the good news to the lost bringing the message of salvation of himself to a lost and dying world, calling people to repentance and faith, believe the gospel. He had one master. Do you? Hold loosely to the things of this world and hold tightly to the things of Christ, to the service to our king. Seek to please an audience of one That is God. If you have his smile, then nothing else matters. Nothing. His smile is the only thing that truly counts. The only things that are secure are those that are done for eternity. So let us leave out worldliness and seek that which is in heaven. Seek Christ. He is our reward. He is our treasure. If he is your treasure and you have a single clear eye that Christ is your vision, all else will pale in comparison. All else will fade away as we look to our Lord and Savior, our Master, Jesus Christ.